calling all wizards, muggles, house elves, whatever. It's time to get your Harry Potter on. I hope that you are ready to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Universal. We're going to talk about the rides. We're going to talk about the restaurants. We're going to even talk about Butterbeer. Hope you got your ones. Because I'm Cheryl. I'm Molly. And I'm Ashby. (laughs) Welcome aboard. Please keep all hands, arms, legs, and feet inside at all times. Podcast, you are all clear. Your wizard, Harry. <laughs> uh, hey guys, I don't know if you know or not, but we're talking about Harry Potter this week. <laughs> and boy, am I excited about it. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it is a giant, giant franchise. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much to talk about with Harry Potter. Right. But specifically, we're going to talk about... Harry Potter, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios. There's one in correct. Orlando and in Hollywood, correct? And yes. in Japan. And yes. in Japan. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. boy. But oh, boy. <laughs> I, because there is so much to talk about, we're going to have to probably split this up. Oh, for sure. I would imagine so. I mean, to do it justice, we need to, we need to give it the time it's, it deserves to be properly discussed. Right, we don't want to like cram it all in, you know, shove it into a closet. Yeah, under the you know, stairs. Under, under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going. I know. <laughs> I'm such a punchline ruiner. I love that. I love that. Oh, gosh. It's the worst. Yeah, huge Harry Potter fan, just of the books and the movies and... Yep, same here. The Wizarding World. Um, I think we all are, yeah? Right? Were you, I've yeah, never read you guys... the books. Oh, but, okay. But I'm a big movie fan. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Do you have? Do you guys have favorite movies? Ooh. I mean, I love the first one. It's such a classic. That's what always sticks out in my mind. And then as it goes on, like they're great to watch. But if I'm going to quote anything, it's the first movie. I had the biggest crush on Snape. So... Oh, Alan Rickman. Look oh, out. Oh, yes. And... In grade school, I like plastered my agenda with his face. I don't know what it was. Whoa. I just Cheryl, that wait, Alan Rickman was your like teeny bopper crush. Well, I mean, there was the Keanu Reeves, but like, <laughs> yes, and it wasn't just Alan Rickman because no, no, Die Hard didn't get me. But <clears throat> so this about is that. Severus Snape specific. Severus only Alan Rickman is Severus Snape though. Okay. But okay. hold on a second, though, because you just said Keanu Reeves. If you take a picture of Keanu Reeves and Snape, like, you could find similarities in those Thank two. Thank you. They're yeah, like identical. Type. Yeah. Young Snape, yeah. Right? Wow. Well, you have you a, a type. type. You surely do. <laughs> <laughs> Long black hair. Merry Christmas to I me. shockingly didn't have a crush on anyone in this series. That's not true. I loved um, Malfoy's dad. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping you were going to say like the Womp and Willow or something. No, no that so would be on brand, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lucius Malfoy. Ooh, wee. Oh, wow. Wait, yeah, I, Lucius. I like that oh, actor. so. Oh, the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, yeah, the dad. Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs, yeah. yeah. He's great. He's a hot yeah, he is really fantastic. Thank yep. you. It's a good one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I've got a little something for Maggie Smith, but let's not go down that road right now. Also on brand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
appropriate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so anyways, we were saying favorite movies. <laughs> favorite movies. I don't, that's kind of a, I don't think I have a favorite movie. I kind of like all of them, but I'm, it's very mood specific. Like, um, I'll, mm-hmm. you have to be in a specific mood for each type of movie or each um, individual movie. Yeah, oh, for sure. Track. Yeah, they get so dark towards the end. It makes me really sad. Like, physically dark, too. Like, you can't watch the last movie <laughs> on a bright day. It's hard to no. see. No, no, yeah. Yeah, they're like rainy day snowstorm movies, for sure. I just like the cheer and ha- happiness of the first movie. I like, I, I've decided that I like boring TV shows. Like, if you're going to show me ER, like, I want to just see how they work in a hospital and I got mad like when Scandal like when she started like with the whole thing with the president I just want to watch her do her job so like same with Harry Potter like I just want to watch wizards go to school I don't need there to be who on ER got involved with the president (laughs) no that was Scandal I was mixing oh Scandal okay like I don't remember that I was giving two examples okay oh I mixed together there a little but Harry Potter is so great it's so good do you have a favorite movie, Ashby? Did you already say that? Um, I I feel like number three, Prisoner of Azkaban, is probably my favorite movie. Ooh, but that's because so serious serious gets introduced, and okay. I was a pretty big fan of his character in the books. Yeah, well, and Gary Oldman is a classic. Right? Yeah, yeah fantastic. But yeah, there's there's something interesting too about how because of the different directors throughout the movie series, how mm-hmm. tones change, how visually it changes how hagrid's hut randomly changes uh like there's so many weird things yeah continuity kind of goes a little crazy because of the different hands in the pot which is funny this is a great segue which is funny because jk rowling is so good about like keeping her finger on things especially with um the parks yeah she was very involved in that yeah i mean so involved to the point where like it was very it was drama for a large portion of how this all kind of came um together which it is a segue should we just roll with it i think it's a great segue by the way cool just not to toot my own horn um so Harry Potter, the series, again, J.K. Rowling is a British author. She first started writing Harry Potter in the 1990s, and it was published in the U.S. um, in 1997. Some interesting kind of, this is going to be about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Studios, but there's a lot of, there's a little bit of Disney overlap during the early history of this theme park, which is, I find Mm -hmm. very, very interesting. Um... The first one being that she originally went to Disney Publishing to get the U.S. version of the books published, and they declined it, and the publishing rights actually went to Scholastic instead. That's so crazy. It is really, it's really interesting to imagine a world where Disney had their hands on it first. Right, right. I I feel like it would almost be like a, a, a similar story of, like Disney and um, um, uh, P.L. Travers with Mary Poppins, like right. the I feel like if Disney and J.K. Rowling were like trying to work together, I just don't I don't know how well it would go. <laughs> it would no. be very different. 
I mean, Ashby, that's such a good comparison, actually. And like Mary Poppins, so well loved, and like we all love that movie. I, I don't, I don't know if everyone does. I do, but so yeah, different yeah, from yeah. the original character and the original work. So, mm-hmm. hmm, good comparison. But so books were published in 1997, 1998, 1999. Like they were the first couple books came out very quickly, and they were very, very successful, almost an instant success globally. I remember when this happened. I think I was like 11 <laughs> when um, like the second book came out. So it was truly like a coming of age story with a character mm-hmm. um, that was not like myself. I'm not magical. Um, the movie rights were actually sold to Warner Brothers in 1999, but not before Disney tried to get them first. Um But like Ashby alluded to earlier, J.K. Rowling wanted to be very involved in the movie making process. She wanted it to be like an all British cast, um, to be filmed in, um, not in the United States, and wanted creative control about what was included and what was not. And Disney was like, okay, whatever, ma'am, and kind of lowballed the offer. And they assumed everyone else would do the same. And they didn't. Warner Brothers was like, oh, yeah, no, sure. We'll follow your lead and right. gave her a much better offer. And, and kind of the rest is history there. How funny that they they like they said, oh, books. No, thank you. Right. Movie. OK, I mean, I guess we could. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's funny that they just didn't even like automatically just say no to the movie. But I guess because the books were selling. Right. Right. That was probably like the, the driver. And it's one of those moments where, obviously, I'm on a podcast talking about Disney World 80% of the time. I'm like a big fan. But this is one of those moments where you just kind of want to like shake your head at the arrogance sometimes of, mm-hmm. of Disney to think that they they know best and that, you know, all creative control lies with them. Um, in the Harry Potter, I think books, movies, and theme parks, they that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> someone did it. Someone else did yeah. it way better. So, um Really interesting. So cutting back to Universal, though, they actually did their first pitch to J.K. Rowling for to have Harry Potter in a theme park in 2000. And it is not good. <laughs> it was kind of like a softball offer. But they um, said, hey, how about we give you a stage show out in Hollywood? And it was going to be called Harry Potter and the Magic Talisman. And it was going to uh. be like a stage stunt show type of a thing. Um, not like a behind-the-scenes stunt show, but a just a action-adventure stunt show. And that was declined because that sounds so lame. It, right. So that was 2000? You 2000. said 2000? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So and just after the movie rights, but before the very first movie geez. was released. That's, that's crazy that it goes that far back. I know. So the first kind of Harry Potter themed experience was actually um, like Warner Brothers Studios um, put out some exhibits and their first one was actually in Australia where they had people walk through live sets, uh, not not the actual sets of the movie, but recreated sets of the movie uh, like a Diagon Alley and the Great Hall and all that. Um, And it was really, really cool. But a lesson learned from that experience was that um, you couldn't... It was kind of a one, 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 and you're done kind of a thing. It was like a tour, and uh, oh, locals right, didn't right. come back or tourists didn't come back for more because it was a guided experience. So that was that's like a little nugget to remember. Um, 
that a guided Harry Potter experience wasn't the most successful and something more self-guided or exploring based is, is kind of what would ultimately be most successful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to Disney. Uh, Disney went back and pitched J.K. Rowling again in 2003 and actually got her to sign a letter of intent in 2004. And their pitch, yeah, to J.K. Rowling was that they're going to have an entire Harry Potter section in Magic Kingdom. It was kind of like the first talks of this new fantasy land that ended up ultimately happening. Um, And they said there were going to be two attractions and one quick service location, the Leaky Cauldron. The huh. one, the two attractions would be like a Buzz Lightyear style Omni Mover ride, mm. where you had had like a wand and you did some magic spells, which actually sounds kind of cool, right. kind of slow, but kind of cool. And then a care of magical creatures petting zoo. Not a ton of information on like what <laughs> does that mean? Puppets possibly, or I, I yeah, there's just like, nothing look, else that exists like it, so it's hard right. to figure out. <laughs> And um, what's interesting about this next part of the story is actually how offend- offended J.K. Rowling was at this offer. She she took it as a that they still weren't taking her works seriously and, and weren't seeing her vision. Um, and I think honestly, just just kind of showing a little disrespect for the content, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't go. She backed out of her letter of intent and Universal jumped in the very next year and they took her on an actual tour tour of islands of adventure which was a couple years old at the time and said kind of here's what we want and you have full control and we're thinking this this and the other and she said i'm very interesting but i want to change everything about what you just told me (laughs) so they gave her this whole pitch and she was like that's not good but i like your attitude and the, that was it. The letter of intent was signed then in 2006. And in May 2007, Universal Orlando confirmed that they had secured the rights and would begin building the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Wow. wow. What a life. It, the, the thought of a park or attractions went through before it actually became, you know, reality. I know. It's such like a, a nasty mix of like, you know, um, when we think about rides coming together, or parks coming together, we think of all the artistry and the imagineering and the storytelling. And a lot of it is just business, 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 right. which is right. dry. Business and politics that are involved yeah. in a lot of that stuff that we just never see or hear about. Totally. And and actually, the next portion of the story is uh, just the most businessy business of no. all. So, um at the time, Universal uh, Studios had been kind of fluctuating through the 1990s and early 2000s of different um, ownership partners, um, folks that kind of bought out the ownership of uh, several companies that included Universal Parks. Um, so at the time, General Electric, General Electric, whoa, GE, owned <laughs> Universal, and they were just like so not interested in theme parks. Theme parks like weren't, it wasn't bringing in the type of money that these big giant companies were interested in from a profitability standpoint. And so they basically pushed it back on Universal Parks to pay for the expansion themselves. Oof. And which the which was the price tag of two hundred and fifty million dollars, which is oh. just mind boggling. Construction began in two thousand eight and replaced the Merlin Woods section of the Lost Continent, which I um 
I guess, never had a chance to really see. Because the first time I went to Islands of, Islands of Adventure would have been in 2008, I guess, 2007 or 2008. And I don't recall that at all, seeing that in any way. Yeah, same here. I didn't go until construction had already started on uh, the Wizarding World. I have no idea what you're talking about, and I would frequently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so I guess it, it was a good replacement. Right. It can't have been anything important. I mean, there was a ride called Poseidon's Fury, but I feel like that only closed for... No, it had to have been before No, then. Poseidon's Fury stayed for a while. Well, no, Poseidon's Fury is still there, you guys. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, P- Mr. Stop. Poseidon. Um, Wait, no, no so, it's not. You know, I, I'm. Oh, I, I think you're. No, it is because the last time I was there, it was still there, and that was only like a couple of years ago. Okay, it's kind of awesome. It's a great. I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised they still run it, only because of I'm sure the cost is probably a little higher. Uh, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, the Lost Continent, from what I understand, is it's a little bit of a bizarre area because it's not linked directly to IP, like intellectual property. Um, exactly, it's more like. What's it called when anyone can use the stories? What's that called? Or songs? Like royalty free? free. free. Yeah, it's called something, oh. though. So Lost Continent is split up into, like, a uh, Arabian bazaar. And then, like, the Poseidon part is, like, a m- mythical, like, a r- Greek and Roman. That's, like, mythos. That's part of the Lost Continent, the restaurant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. And then there was Merlinwood, which was like the King Arthur stuff. But in in Merlinwood, which was replaced, was the Dueling Dragons coaster mm-hmm. and like the little unicorn or small, the, the, the unicorn ride, which those two rides then were just refurbished for or reskinned for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So the, the original Dueling Dragon roller coaster that like it actually looked like you were like racing or fighting another mm-hmm. dragon that was in the Merlinwood area. Okay. So you definitely were there. Yeah. Do you remember if they... Because I feel like I rode the Dueling Dragons pr- prior to the... Because I feel like... Was it running while everything else was still under construction? It's possible they didn't do like a full shutdown of the land and just right. did kind of construction and then little by I, little. Yeah, I believe they down. did it in phases and the ride was still available until it wasn't anymore. And then... Right. Yeah, okay. I mean, from all accounts that I've read about the transition, it seems like there's like a very loyal fan base to the original Dueling Dragons coaster and that a lot was lost in theming and experience when it mm. was turned into Harry Potter version Dragon's of Dragon Challenge. Challenge. Yeah. Which is a shame because it sounded like a very innovative coaster. Um, that you know, Coaster folks, which I don't identify as a coaster person necessarily um no. really appreciated you so ashby you probably did write it during yeah that's what i'm thinking because i remember riding it before like and i enjoyed the experience i just have vague memories of it so i wasn't sure if it was before or it's definitely not because because like dueling dragons when it turned into um dragon that's challenge. It. Dragon challenge. challenge because the queue yeah. had all of like the cool like Hagrid's hut and the car and stuff like that right okay right yep yeah so I definitely wrote it before that because I remember going yeah okay yeah it was I mean I remember it when it opened and it was one of the opening attractions for Islands of Adventure 
Yeah. And I guess it was the only fully inverted dueling roller coaster in the world at the time. And back then, the coasters would duel each other, so they'd be launched at the exact same time. And they would kind of follow different paths, but then they would kind of always spiral up to each other, yeah. which was kind of crazy to see live. But, yeah. um, you know, myths and whatever, rumors, I guess, things people had gotten injured because at that point it's two people and if you had a penny in your pocket and it swings out and hits somebody in the other roller coaster something like that is what okay, i had people heard. who carry pennies <clears throat> in their pockets on roller coasters can you not i mean that's why universal had to get metal detectors probably because <laughs> the pennies. copper detectors the thing i do remember about them though was that it was it was supposed to be two different roller coasters in one so you could kind of get more bang from your buck. It was fire and ice, and so they were two completely different dragons. Right. Um, one was a Chinese fireball, and the other was a horn- Hungarian horn tail, or that might be what they were changed to for the that Harry Potter. That was what they were yeah, changed yeah. for Harry Potter, yeah. Yeah, but they were fire and ice back in the day, and they had like one. They had different characteristics. So one was much faster, well, five miles per hour faster, but it was definitely based on speed, and the other one was um, a bit more curvy. To be oh, interesting. So you could, you could ride it. It actually, you were encouraged to ride it at least twice mm-hmm. to get a different experience in the same like footprint of a ride. Hmm. Yeah, that's I very remember smart. you'd wait, you'd wait through the queue, and then there was a point where you chose fire or ice. And even from that point, there was a separate queue that you could choose the front or the or wherever. And then, oh, it interesting. Was, it was a fun little ride. I um, get very nauseous on roller coasters that your feet dangle. I don't oh, know weird. why. I don't if know if that's a real thing or not, but I have like a bad track record with feet dangling roller coasters. Oh my God. So if any roller coaster enthusiasts could uh, uh, write us and tell me scientifically what's going on there, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> so in 2009, Comcast uh, acquired General Electric, so therefore acquired Universal Parks and a Similar, we're not super thrilled about the theme park um, kind of leg of the business and actually considered or allegedly considered selling off that division. Um, and that was until the very next year when the Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened and changed the game for theme parks from that point forward. We, you were talking about dangling feet on a roller coaster at it Ooh, made yes, me think of a story were. that happened just recently. So this was at actually at Magic Mountain, Six Flags Magic Mountain, over here in uh, California on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And there's a ride, a roller coaster there called X2, where it like, basically like it's it's a coaster where you get in and you sit down, and then the, the like you know the floor kind of goes away, but it's like the the cars are on the sides of the track, and they like flip around like 360 degrees. Anyways, it's a insane roller coaster. Like, look it up if you get a chance. So we get to go, and I've always had, <clears throat> I, I I wear flip flops everywhere. It's just what I do. It's how I how I function. But what I typically will do on a floorless coaster like that is I'll just put the flip flops underneath. Like I'll sit on them, you know, and yeah. then I ride the ride and everything's fine. Because I have I. It's funny. Uh, I had an experience on Dueling Dragons. This is all coming back to me now, where. It's all coming back. <laughs> right. It's all coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where yeah. I had I had worn my flip flops and didn't realize like it was like the first time for some reason I just didn't think about it. 
And I remember like almost losing my flip-flop multiple times on that ride. And it was like the scariest thought of not having a flip-flop, you know, in a park. So X2, same thing. I sit down. I'm like, oh, no, floor's going to be gone. Let me take my flip-flops off. I stick them under my, the seat, you know, my butt. And we take off. But this ride, if you've, if you've never ridden it, which I hadn't, it does things that I've never experienced on a ride before where like because the thing spins 360 degrees, there's certain points of the ride where you like go up around a like a bank or a turn or a, a loop and you are like off the seat in the harness of the oh, restraint. No. So there was the first turn where it happened and I was like, oh, no. And so then I'm like forcibly trying to push myself down onto my flip-flops because I realize something's going to happen. So I feel safe now at this point again. But this thing throws you around everywhere. You don't know what the hell's going on. So by the time, you know, however long this roller coaster was, I was done. We pull into the station, floor comes up, and I reach and I grab one flip-flop, and then I reach, and there's no flip-flop. Oh, no. (laughs) And... I'm, I'm, of course, I'm now I'm just laughing hysterically. So I, I get my one flip flop right. on and I just kind of like hobble over to the side laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I don't know what to do. I'm missing a flip flop. <laughs> and they're, everybody was dying laughing. They're like, you should have taken them off. And I was like, well, I did, but I put them under my seat. And uh, so, yeah, so I had to walk for a little bit with one flip flop. <gasps> they didn't oh, have like a, no. a, a loner? No. No, they, they're not going to do that. Why would they? <laughs> that is the theme park equivalent of the walk of shame. It really was. You have to wear it with pride. It really was. Yeah, I had to walk a good distance before we got to a, a merchandise shop that actually sold flip-flops. <laughs> oh, man. Was it Did you have to get like pair? It's actually, I, I was going to say like a Looney Tunes I still theme. have the pair today, actually. Yeah. <gasps> oh, they're they're okay. really nice. Coming in clutch. So... So, like, maybe worth it. Maybe just if you're wearing flip-flops, like, I mean, ultimately, you should just really just leave them at the station or put them in a locker, (laughs) to be honest. So I should say, you know, today we are focused on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Hogsmeade, um, which was the first portion to open. There are two different Harry Potter lands in Florida, um, which we'll cover probably in another episode but today we're focused on like hogsmeade village we're gonna start throwing out words like hogsmeade and hogwarts and like what the hog in hell are we talking about (laughs) (laughs) well i mean first and foremost if you are unfamiliar with harry potter and stumble into this world shame on you good luck to you yeah (laughs) i mean hogsmeade is the village outside of hogwarts correct Mm -hmm. it is and they only yeah. visit it like what once in the entire series. I, they, I go, think they go once they, a year. Well, yeah, in the books they really they like they, they mention it a lot. In the movies, I think because there was it wasn't until what the third, which one was it? It wasn't until later on that we actually saw Hogsmeade in the movies. Yeah. It was like the second or third yeah. one. Well, and in the movies, it's always. In, it, they always go like right before Christmas break or something, so it's always very snowy. The mm-hmm. um, it's always a wintry scene as well, so that's like the visual image that we always have of Hog, um, Hogsmeade Village. And then Hogwarts is the um, British school of witchcraft and wizardry. 
that Harry Potter attends with all of his friends. And that is very iconic and um, like the peaks of the castle are, you could just recognize it anywhere from the movie and that's what you see off in the distance um, when you enter Hogsmeade at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And you can, actually there are two entrances, one from the Lost Continent <laughs> right beyond Poseidon's Fury. <laughs> um, which is still still there, apparently. Still in operation. Probably a five-minute wait, is my guess. Um, <laughs> and then you can also enter Hogsmeade from the Jurassic Park area as well in in Orlando, in the Orlando Park. So, But if you've not, you really should come in from the Lost Continent side. And actually, can we talk about this? So, you know, we've talked weenies before in our mm-hmm. episodes of what is the thing that draws you into the um theme park and or then right. like what then draws you away and and I don't know I think Molly we learned about this probably in school somehow so I it's been a while and I don't have any of the specific scientific facts but usually people steer to the right I guess humans as a general we veer right. right and and especially in like Disneyland and Magic Kingdom Tomorrowland was always way more appealing than like your yeah. Adventureland because that's overgrown with trees and you don't really notice it and so when they were opening Islands of Adventure there was thought put into it of we want people to also go left so they put this crazy big Marvel Island with this crazy Hulk roller coaster to entice people to go to the left side and I think boy it worked because I don't hmm. know of very many people who start by going to Seuss land <laughs> oh my gosh it's so true and I think with Harry Potter they were very smart because they put the entrance very right facing if you were to go Sure. So you'd have to kind of enter it from that way. So I think it helps to redistribute what they had tried to redistribute in the first place. Absolutely. What's so interesting about the castle, too, because it's instantly recognizable. I think what's interesting about the Harry Potter like movie franchise is even if you aren't a fan, I think you've seen a Harry Potter movie or a part of one or a preview for one, and you know, you kind of know what Hogwarts mm-hmm. looks like. Um and what's cool about Universal Orlando is that it's located kind of right in the middle of the city along I-4 and several other main roads. And you could see that castle getting built. Mm-hmm. It was like a weenie a year before it was open. Like everyone was so curious about it. Yeah, there was no hiding that castle. It was like, there it is. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about it is if you come from the other side, there's that. The Jurassic Park side? Yeah. It gets so weird because there's that giant, because the ride building underneath of it, there's like the giant wall with a castle on top of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so right. It, and so even more so why if you're, if you're first time ever going there, you should definitely come from the Lost Continent just to get the full, uh, like, um, uninterrupted view, if you will, of the castle. Yeah, the, like, forced perspective is just a little bit off. Right. From the Jurassic Park angle. That's a good point. I think they definitely succeeded where places in New Fantasyland did not. The Beast Castle. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> it is rough. It's, it's, I mean, they did what they could. No, no shade towards Magic Kingdom. They had a very small spot to be able to put things in but so i mean i'm i'm actually a little curious about that like when the very first time i saw it ashby we were together in fact um and i was like that's a joke right like they're not done right with that castle <laughs> right like it looks like storybook canal castles yeah like it yeah. looks like a miniature is it be 
there's not a lot of room because they didn't they you can't go back very far in magic kingdom is that the space limitation i mean i would assume because they you know the the walt disney world railroad takes it around right. it so you have a limited space where you can go around but i also wonder how much of it was sightlined from the castle on main street like you don't want to see mm-hmm. another castle popping out from behind there so oh interesting i could imagine about that, that that would be another thing that they would they didn't want a tower of terror sticking out of morocco kind of vibe Back into Hogsmeade. I actually looked it up, and so Hogsmeade Village was a settlement in Britain inhabited solely by wizards, witches, and other magical beings, located to the northwest of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, they always took, like, a field trip there, and they had to get a permission slip from a parent or guardian, so I think that's why Harry had to use his invisible cloak in order to go but Hogsmeade remained unseen in the Harry Potter film series until Prisoner of Azkaban. Number three. Number three. It also appeared in Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. In all of these, the village is seen under a heavy caps of snow. Yep. Which is also the way we see it at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Um, Hogsmeade is always has under like a little blanket of snow which i've always found to be fun because it's hot as hell florida, florida. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> right i will say though i don't know i mean i'm sure it's on a purpose just because it's always under snow but how smart as a floridian the biggest thing that we always have is sun damage like our movie theaters always look outdated because they make these bright colors and then the sun fades it within a year if you just cover all of that with white snow you rarely have to repaint things that is right. brilliant that's so true. Uh, they lucked into that. So I spoke earlier about how J.K. Rowling was so insistent on being a part of uh, the planning process. Um, and that's very evident in the like lay of the land in Hogsmeade. Um, I mean, she was, she was pivotal in designing kind of the view and vantage point. And um, a complaint potentially initially about Hogsmeade, but I think it grew on everyone, is that she insisted on the paths, pathways, walking through the village to be a lot more windy and narrow than what you typically experience in a modern-day theme park. Um, and more intense is she insisted that the gift shop areas were also very tight and small. She didn't want that kind of like Main Street Emporium feel mm-hmm. for the gift shops. They needed to be kind of um, tighter, more crowded experiences, which, you know love it or hate it it definitely paved the way for like the immersive experience um that i think harry potter can often be attributed to kind of changing the game there in in theme parks um i myself find it to be a little intense inside like the zonko's gift shop or like the joke shock i'm like get me out of here i don't (laughs) right i hate jokes (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely a vibe right it's a vibe yeah the first time i went it was I don't do well with crowds, which I don't know why I don't work, why I worked at a theme park for 15 years. It is so interesting. Theme park people hate crowds. Right. Yeah. And uh, going there for the first time, I I mean, I waited. I didn't even go when it first opened. I wanted to wait because of the madness that they dealt with. But even when I went, it was obviously still busy. And just sometimes in the shops and sometimes in the – restaurant there's just this overwhelming feeling of being like squished in but i will say it really did add to the environment of what from reading the books what i believed hogsmeade was like you know it was interesting 
And I mean, I remember when it first opened going there and really thinking like, oh, this is very cool, but it's sad that they had to listen to JK because like it feels so condensed and you're on top of each other and this isn't how a theme park should be ran. But now going back to it, it's like, this is awesome. And it doesn't, it changed, at least for me, my perspective on things like that. And I think it did, you're right, like change how we do theme parks moving forward, because even in, like, Galaxy's Edge, if you've been there yet, it's all just tinier little shops mm-hmm. and areas to, like, peruse. And so I think, you know, something that we were like, oh, you can't do that in a theme, theme park, it won't work. Well, it kind of did, and it does, and it's it's kind of changed how we do that moving forward, I guess. Yep. So I'd like to dig into, like, the shops and the rides and kind of the whole feel in detail here. Um, but looping it back to kind of the the history and how we got to here um wizarding world of harry potter did actually end up changing the game for theme parks as we know it um the way we we think themed environment should be harry potter kind of blew that out of the water and it changed changed the game we got pandora we got galaxy's edge we got cars land um we're about to get all the marvel stuff i think it's they really set the new standard um and i got a lot of my notes tonight from an article by a man named john gregory who just released an article not too long ago i actually can link it um in our instagram uh for this episode but he his basically what he wanted to say in his article is that harry potter not only saved universal but it saved theme parks in general um theme theme parks may have just been coasting for the past decade and harry potter changed the game and now theme parks are more profitable and more um creative and more popular than ever so we have a lot we have a lot to thank for this whole turn of events so within the very first year universal increased its intent attendance by almost 40 percent year over year wow. Whoa. yeah um in 2011 universal orlando brought in um 7.6 million visitors which was obviously record-breaking for them and record-breaking for kind of orlando bringing those kind of numbers outside of Disney. So it was a Harry Potter, the wizarding world of Harry Potter is a big deal and it really kind of changed, um, changed the game for sure. Years ago. So pretty impressive. Everybody can thank them for what they did. Thank you, Harry. Thank thank you. Oh no, I didn't mean us. I just meant all the other big companies that are now copying. Oh, true. (laughs) Well, I mean, we would not have galaxy's edge if we didn't have Harry Potter. I mean, let's back so. it up just a little bit. We wouldn't have Pandora, the world of Avatar. That's true. Wait. I we wouldn't have Pandora. Sesame Street at SeaWorld. <laughs> we wouldn't. No, I mean, exactly. That's like a, a, you know, targeted towards toddlers, but it's an awesome themed immersive land that we needed. And we would have never, yes. it would have, that sort of a budget would have never gotten approved because it would have said no one wants to like, they just want to see the characters. They just want to ride a ride with characters. They don't want to like walk through Sesame Street. Well, I want to walk yeah. through Sesame Street. Right. I'm glad we get to. Does it even go back as far? When did the when did it open again? When did um, was it in um, World Open? Two thousand and ten. Yeah. So I mean, it even goes back to like what I consider Disney's first like themed area, which was Cars Land. Right. That's so crazy. Exactly. Which is done so well, and yeah. obviously oh, yeah. like. Set, set a standard for, for Disney Imagineering of what they could do and how they could do it. Um, in some ways, Harry, the Harry Potter was faced with 
a harder challenge to bring up a movie with real characters who age over the course of 10 years as well kind of to life in a believable setting that we don't i don't find myself questioning the timeline in here in the wizarding world very often either like is this chamber of secrets or is this deathly hallows like it just doesn't come up Mm -hmm. because you're too busy looking at everything (laughs) speaking of which what are we looking at in hogsmeade so you walk in and instantly it feels like snow, even though it's probably 100 degrees when you're there. <laughs> and you're greeted by a train conductor because the first thing that you see is um, a big train facade on the right-hand side. And I don't know, Molly, do you did you find in your research how soon did they know that they were going to build a second park and or like the Hogwarts Express? Because when I was walking it recently you know, you go into Hogsmeade, but then they kind of backtracked and added the platform to be able to take that train to the next theme park. So the plans to make an expansion to Harry Potter were definitely confirmed within the first, like, six months of Harry Potter opening, the Wizarding World Hogsmeade opening, because it was so successful. Um, They had the money and they had the investment um, right away, basically. It was not... They knew what they had, and so they started plans to make an expansion right away. Um, I believe the original version, yeah, prior to the, like, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Express, the attraction opening, there always was kind of the the photo op train, and then maybe, like, a wall behind it that said, like, uh, to the to the train station or whatever. The train, I believe, was always there, though, with the conductor to, like, meet and greet. Yeah, yeah. On the left-hand side, then you have your candy gift shop, which is Honey Dukes, and it sells every single treat that you've read about in the books, whether it's your chocolate jumping frogs. Is this the same layout that they have over in California, Ashby? Um, it is pretty similar, um, yeah. the, the Hogsmeade side of things, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Stores may be flip-flopped, but yeah, it, it, I believe it contains almost exactly everything exactly the same it's the only thing that was different there i'm trying to because i only went once (laughs) which was last year for the holidays when they did like a little like a christmas thing on the um on hogwarts castle and um so it was extremely busy it was hard to get around (laughs) which it is all the time um but i remember like there was the similar pathway that goes up along the side of the castle with those little carts you know on the right hand Mm -hmm. side but for some reason, I'm blanking on walking through Hogsmeade. Maybe I didn't walk through Hogsmeade. Maybe it's from a different angle. Oh, you came in through the back entrance. It sounds like you may have. But yeah, so you're walking into Hogsmeade, and you're going to have Honeydukes on the left-hand side, which is a pretty crazy gift shop. And instantly, that starts one of my favorite things about the area is you know yes there's attractions yes there's restaurants but sometimes there's always like storefronts and in each storefront there's so much detail and so many callbacks to the actual movies and stories that it it gives you something to look at without it being anything really to begin with i remember all the i might be jumping ahead like location wise but my favorite thing like you're saying the store fronty type stuff is well, i have two favorites one is a girl um puking into a bucket right <laughs> <laughs> and the other is all the all the wanted posters of serious black i thought that was so clever oh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and the biggest poster is out in front of the three broomsticks restaurant which um 
is it's in the movies, right? That's where they're sitting and they start talking about Sirius Black and whether he's hiding somewhere upstairs. Oh, right. right. Yeah, Yeah. that's where, like, all the teachers go upstairs and Mm -hmm. start talking. Yeah, exactly. So they actually have that restaurant. And I don't... So we haven't talked about this, but we've mentioned that J.K. Rowling had very heavy hand in what was going to go into the world. And so she also didn't want a lot of different brands or different, you know, like Coca-Cola you can't get in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Right. And so in that restaurant, it has, it does, it's not your normal hamburgers and chicken fingers. It's actual like ribs and, and on the bone chicken and. That giant platter of food that you can get. Oh my gosh. It's like a hundred dollars. You get like all you can eat sausages or something. (laughs) But I mean, honestly, it's one of my favorite restaurants on property. It's kind of quick service. They'll, bring it out to your table but it's not just french fries it has a little bit more to it but well, again yeah. another another mm-hmm. oh, i'm wondering I, I don't know the timeline of food here but i feel like that was one of those first moments where i saw like oh we're changing theme park food right and i feel like disney went through a whole uh, shift in what they offered after this totally totally i think yeah it was probably the first time universal offered anything other than a sit-down restaurant where you could get like um a vegetable right Mm -hmm. right (laughs) that wasn't pizza hamburger hot dog which i love to eat at theme parks but yeah they they really varied their menu and made it yeah completely a different experience and disney followed suit i was actually i was actually a little annoyed about the like non-coke thing because i'm i'm an avid diet coke drinker and when I went in and they're like, they had like the bottles of the pear juice and the pumpkin, whatever the hell yes. they were selling. I was like, where's the stuff that I want to drink? I was actually very angry about that. <laughs> I mean, it's very true though. Cause as much as I like that, I like that pumpkin juice when you buy it in a bottle or I, I'm a big fan of lemonade, but when I'm eating ribs, like, <laughs> right. I, need, I need a Coke, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> I need a soda pop. Right. That is one thing that is harder for at least me being a Floridian. I'm like, nah, brah, I need this. <laughs> but in the back of the three broomsticks, they do have a bar. And that's that was one of the first places where you could get butterbeer. And I remember mm. right when this when Wizarding World opened, that was, I think, one of the only places. And that line was insane to be able to get it. And back then it only had frozen butterbeer or cold butterbeer. And then a couple years later, they came out with hot butterbeer. Have you guys Ugh, had butterbeer? No, but that sounds like it would be my favorite. I've had the frozen. Ugh, frozen? I feel like frozen's the way to go. I don't... It's, it, I'm not a big All of them are too sweet for me. Like, I drink... I have, oh. like, a couple sips, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But um, if you're a big fan of, you know, wanting to try it, that's a huge thing to do. But they also sell beers and they also have exclusive beers that are only made within the parks or for the parks so they have a hogsmeade brew i think which is a red ale it's pretty tasty and then there is a dragon's scale which is a a hoppy lager as they said but it's not too hoppy highly recommend them if you drink lots of water in between and patience <laughs> and the and the bar I, you may have said this and i might have missed it that's where you can get the alcoholic version of butterbeer like they don't have it because they have the cart outside where you can get regular butterbeer but if you go into the bar they have like a 
I don't know. Like a spiked version? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think Ooh, I ever I've knew never, about that. I've never oh, done that. I, I had friends that did it. I, I didn't drink it, but they I didn't know about it, and they went into the bar. And I actually found that if you want to get a butterbeer and have, like, a true Harry Potter experience, go into the bar because it's just such a cool environment. Oh, it is. And sometimes the line's Air not quite as long as that one that's outside where everybody sees the cart. Um, well, yep. yeah, and not to be a total curmudgeon, but it also usually has less kids. If you yeah, need like yeah. an like an adult break in in <laughs> Universal, <laughs> uh, I need those sometimes. Um, yeah, go into the Hogshead. It's small too, and yeah, air conditioned, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have alcohol. So. And then there's a really cool. If you walk straight through the bar, it, there's a door that goes to the outside on the back end of it, and if you go out back there, it's a really pretty view um, with all of the. Um, evergreen trees and the you can see the castle from there so it's kind of a nice little little hidden nook you can get away like you were yeah, saying that's true mm-hmm. and you can see like the um back sides of all the buildings in hogsmeade too which are just as charming as the front like yeah. they're not just facades which is really cool mm-hmm. and they have an actual hog's head and he sometimes will wake up and say hello in his hog way what yeah well i mean mm-hmm. he does not he certainly doesn't greet you by any means, but out of nowhere, um, kind of like in the Country Bear Jamboree where they have like, you know, taxidermy heads on the wall. It will start moving and making grunting noises. Oh, that's so magical and weird. I like it. It's scary when you're not expecting it. There is something weird about that process. Like they obviously killed a boar in in the world of you know harry potter like it was killed and they put the head on the wall but yet they put it under some sort of magical spell that it now still is alive or it still talks it that when i see when i see that it like it's a little disturbing (laughs) (laughs) it's like the halloween horror nights right and they have shrunken heads hanging up there as well yes they do they do so then you leave if you leave the three broomsticks to the left there is the um facilities the restrooms they call them personal conveniences i took a photo of it i love that and but the coolest thing about it is that they have moaning myrtle will sometimes stop in and entertain you while you are relieving yourself moaning myrtle who yeah in the movies spends her times in the girls bathroom. in the bathroom yep Public conveniences. That and is what she, they are called. She's kind of thirsty, right? Like, doesn't she show up in the bathtub with Harry, too? Oh, she's a, she's a young girl who is, you know, going through some changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you, you mentioned the bathroom, though, because it was something, like, <laughs> we talked about, you know, the um, uh, tangled restrooms at Magic Kingdom, how that's become kind of a, we got to go stop right. and see it, you know. The restrooms in Hogsmeade, are a like when i went i was like i have to go in there because i know that it's themed i know i'm gonna experience something when i go in there uh it's just crazy that that they've added that much detail to it you know and it's so simple but it it brings so much joy to your heart when you finally find it especially if you're a lover of the books or movies Mm -hmm. so then as you continue your journey through hogsmeade um that pretty much covers the left bank of restaurants and uh store shops and then to the right is the um, post office i guess the owl the owl post right oh yeah that's right it is a huge like the nice thing about that is so there's not a lot of shade and it can get really hot in florida but there is kind of a seating area that's covered 
and it's got a lot of owls up there mm-hmm. and a lot of owl poop but i think that that was on purpose <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's so interesting to think about that like it's definitely themed and not real but they universal creative was like who's our poop guy like right. who's gonna get in there and right. like sculpt this poop that's fantastic <laughs> At some point, I wonder what if they just let it continue to pile up because maybe there's, you know, seagulls or crows. And how do you differentiate what's supposed to be there and what is it? I think something comes off with the power washer and something does not, is Ah, my guess. mm -hmm. Wait, is the theory that like birds are attracted to pooping on things they assume are already poop? Oh, maybe they don't. Maybe they only poop on things that they don't assume are poop, like statues and heads. And like human heads, my head. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> weird hmm. but um the owl post is actually the gift shop that's attached to Ollivander. so i think we did we talk about we talked about Ollivanders in the last episode we did discuss um oh because of merchandise Ollivanders yeah. and merchandise yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but um Ollivanders is m- very tiny it only ha- allows 30 people in there and uh someone gets selected a wand it wasn't me and i was not hurt by that were you trying though? Were you like trying to make eye contact and stuff? Kind of. Yeah. But he was not picking up what I was putting down, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you have the two, like you have options. So like if you don't like me, where I was like, I am not waiting in line to go through this experience and be squished in with thirty other of my closest friends. I just want to go and buy a wand. Then you can just sneak in, you know, on like if basically if you're like facing the wand shop. The left to the left is where the line and the experience is, and then there's a door on the right side. That y- when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, maybe it's just a, it's like a prop, like you can't go in this way. But sure enough, you can just open the door and go right on in, um, and and then you can just look at the wands right there without having to deal with the the show experience if you choose to bypass that. Right, and I mean it's it's a long line too. It can really. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's pretty crazy, though, because it's it's an attraction, and it's pretty cool, but you'd never know it. There's no signage. There's no um, wait time sign. There's nothing. It's literally just that door and some queue, and you see a, a Harry Potter wardrobe person in a cloak, and then you're just like, oh, this is Ollivander's. It's kind of cool that they had so much trust in the product that they didn't need to advertise it, and it's never not busy. I mean, that interesting you mentioned... I have two things to say. Interesting you mentioned about um, the Harry Potter, like, cloaked team member. Um, number one, one of J.K. Rowling's stipulations was that there aren't to be any face characters of book characters, basically. Ooh. Um, that these were just other, like, other witch- witches and wizards and students that you would interact with, um, but no one by kind of character name other than anyone you see on the attractions themselves i like that i do too (laughs) and um yeah i thought that was just very very clever and it it does a wonderful job of immersing you kind of having your own harry potter experience right as opposed to reliving a story like you are in hogsmeade you are a student at hogwarts you're not necessarily um reliving something through harry potter's footsteps which is a previous format of uh, themed attractions at theme parks. 
But they do have performances. So right past Ollivander's is a stage. And I know that there are two different things that you can see, but one of them is a singing singing frog choir of sorts. I guess frogs are delightful singers <laughs> in the Harry Potter world, and they have um, a few people singing with some frogs. It doesn't make much sense, but I do have a video of that too that I'll put up on the Instagram so that if you are very confused as to my terrible description of it, you'll see. Yeah, I think that's a really good description of it. It's like Hogwarts students holding their singing frog counterparts they all <laughs> sing a song i think they interchange it though because i think i've also seen so in the yeah, what, have, goblet of fire mm-hmm. they have the visiting students i know that i've seen like victor crumbs like classmates the Durmstrang boys yeah they, they have the it. boys and the um fleur de fleur de la cure whatever her name was yeah. and her uh her girls what were they called they were the the buxom Oh my gosh, why am I... I don't think it was buxom. No, that's not it? You don't think that's it? <laughs> Hold on. Oh God, now I have to look it up. Um. Uh, yeah, do you guys have a preferred show there? I think I like neither of them. <laughs> I remember that I, I... I never purposefully watch them, but often get like caught by them. Right. And the gentlemen from the... Um, what were they again? The... Durmstrang. Though yeah, they were they were very of of my type and um So they all kinda excited. looked like Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> they looked like younger Alan Rickman. Yeah, I guess they kinda were. do. And I was a fan and I, I watched it and I remember the direct quote of, Oh, I really enjoyed the hottie McStick guy over there. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so okay. they're called the Bow Battens. Oh, thank you. Mm. Not the buxom. Yes. <laughs> Not the buxom gals. Okay, Ashby. <laughs> I was close. I had a B in it. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a good point. I, I take it back. Um, yeah, I admittedly have never watched them all the way through or, like, sought out the performances. Um, Me neither. But I'd say I probably like the frogs better just because they're kind of funny. Oh, for sure. For me, it's more of like, ugh, the show started, and now I gotta weave, weave through all this nonsense. <laughs> yes, yes. No, you agreed. sound like such a curmudgeon. I know, but <laughs> I know. Honestly, though, the shows, and I'm sure people love them, but I just want nothing to do with them <laughs> because it's so a show I... with an audience area right in a main pathway. Like, I blame the designers on that. Can I also just say that these outdoor shows also suffer from my number one complaint about universal it's too they are too loud turn the microphones down like oh, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. you know that there's a performance when you walk in in hogsmeade and that is too far away to know that that's true <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. and so i just i find that very distracting at universal in general um and i need them to just turn the mic down in fact show me where it is and i will do it myself you're we, we really do sound like uh, a podcast of like senior citizens that are like, it's too yes. loud. It's too yes. crowded. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I mean, at we this are. point, we're going to get into the attractions because I think that's what is left. And the entire time I was waiting for them recently, I was like, this is too dark. I don't know where I'm <laughs> too going. Too dark, too loud, too many people. 
What's I know my grandmother <laughs> once wrote a letter to Disney about Pirates of the Caribbean being too dark. And she was like, I can't see. I walked into a wall. And I was just thinking the whole time, well, can't bring grandma here. <laughs> can't bring Cheryl here. It's also funny that our, our, our like positive thing we said is we're like, oh, they have a varied menu with vegetables on it. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. has happened? We need to change the description of this podcast. It's for your geriatric friends. Right. Oh, my <laughs> were gosh. We, were we ever fun or have we changed? <laughs> right, right. I don't think we ever were. Oh, my God. I'm glad I'm we found all, each other. It's always been yeah. an issue, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, Universal's I mean, too loud. Everything's too loud. It's too loud. <laughs> Even, okay, I will say this as well. Even the background music in, in the Harry Potter area is a little loud. And it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's like the sweeping, um, the soundtrack from the movie, the John Williams, uh, you know, score that you know and love so well. But when you walk in and you first hear that music, there's like this emotional moment and it it's beautiful. And then you've been in the land for an hour and it keeps having these like swelling, sweeping moments. And you're like, okay, though, like now you're here <laughs> you're like i like, get I just it came out of the we just came out of the bathroom like i don't need this like big build-up harry potter moment like i just think that could be synced up a little bit better right when you enter the land and maybe as you're turning the corner approaching the castle anything like that that deserves like thematic moments but like i imagine hearing this emotional loop waiting in the outside queue for Ollivanders is just almost taunting because you're like nothing is happening we're in line <laughs> like we're not having these moments so you know that's just it it's not even a big deal it just is that's something I would say that's one. Uh, that's one that I'm on the opposite end of you because like I could listen to that score 24 7 and so the fact that they just continually play music from the movies I it's heaven for me. <laughs> yeah, it is very calming. But not for Molly. Molly is not calm after an she hour. She just wants it to be quieter. <laughs> I just wanted to. Yeah, I just want them to just turn it down. it down. If I have to raise my voice, it's too loud. <laughs> uh. I I'm sorry. I mean, Disney lost a point in the episode for the Beast Castle. But they got a point for the appropriate level of background music. <laughs> I'm keeping score. So now I guess we're getting into the rides, huh? All right. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to mention because you were talking about kind of walking through Hogsmeade. One thing that they did that was really cool was like not every – so they have all these shop facades and some of the shops are shops that you can go into, but then there's some that aren't like the, it's like the outside of the big bathroom building or something. And they did this really cool job of creating, like the one thing that sticks out to me is the um, what are those things called? The the plants, the oh my gosh, the screaming plants. Um, oh, oh my gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The uh, man, man, um, mandra- mandrakes, man, mm-hmm. mandrakes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so they have like a facade shop of like a some sort of you know. Yeah. Uh, plant shop with these screaming mandrakes out front. Yeah. So it's just cool that they they it really does feel like you're walking down a street in a village. They have like these the little carts that are outside in some of in front of some of the buildings that it just again it it it, it adds to the whole feeling of being like condensed, but again it adds to that like bustling street village feel as you walk walk through. 
it's meant to be explored kind of like in stark contrast to the very very first um warner brothers like walk through theme park in australia for harry potter where it was like a guided experience and that wasn't successful there was not a repeatability to right. this they went in the opposite direction with the wizarding world and it is just me- it's meant to be explored it's meant to you're meant to find all of these details every time you go back so let's start with everyone's favorite of course right the one that we all know and love flight of the hippogriff uh, <laughs> i did not know where you're going that go was unexpected <laughs> unexpected can i Honestly, though, have I, any of us ridden Flight of the Hippogriff? I have. Okay. I have not. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, so Flight of the Hippogriff, as you mentioned earlier, was actually one of the two rides that they um, converted from the Lost Continent or Merlin's whatever. I Merlin's wherever we were before. Merlin Hood. Um, Thank you. So sorry. To the Harry, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. So originally it was the Flying Unicorn and it ah, did right. not debut with the park. It was um, one of the first rides to be added um, after the grand opening. So it opened June 29th, 2000 um, in the Lost Continent area and it took place in the Enchanted Forest. I guess the storyline was something of a, a kid found a unicorn horn and uh, it was a you could use it to fly, so guests ride in a design cart that looked like unicorns around. So very much it's a junior coaster within the park, so it's definitely uh, more kid-friendly than the other attractions that they have at Wizarding World. But they uh, then flipped it, and they kind of took it to be the flight of the Hippogriff. So the Hippogriff was a character or an animal, one of the things that Hagrid takes care of. And it was a pretty easy, just smooth... Buckbeak. Transition. Buckbeak. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. The time turner and saving that thing's life. It's a good one. It's a big I've, old part. I recall that ride being, I mean, kind of fun, actually. It, it kind of winds in and out of some trees and stuff. Like, it's, it's a nice setting, but it's so short, if I remember. It's like over before. It begins. It's it's very. I would compare it to the Barnstormer at Magic mm-hmm. Kingdom if I could compare it to. Anything. Yes. Yeah. 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 And as a junior, it has two trains. So one's loading, one's going down the ride, and that's pretty much all that they can do. It takes you up a shaft, and then it or a lift, and it just lets you use gravity to come back down. I mean, that's it's. I yeah. I'm not gonna wait in line for it, but what a good. Um, idea because i think harry potter attracts a wide variety of fans um both young and old i mean at this point we're old but we were fans of this growing up um and so we we're probably looking for more i guess it sounds like we're looking to sit down for a quiet nice quiet meal right um, (laughs) other people our age are looking for some like roller coaster experiences um but harry potter's also and going to always be popular among um, with smaller kids mm-hmm. and so there you need to definitely give them something that they can participate in because there are going to be high restrictions on the larger attractions so i think it's a, yeah. a good that was a really good use of like a re-theming of a previous ride for kids mm-hmm. yeah and they installed a duplicate over in Japan, so it opened in 2014, and then um, they opened one in Universal Studios Hollywood in 2016, and it is the first outdoor roller coaster at the Hollywood location. That's so Whoa. funny. What a funny, like, title to have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we got Flight of the Hippogriff, guys. That's it. 
I would is it, say. Is right. it the first outdoor roller coaster at Hollywood Universal Studios or the only outdoor I think it's coaster? the it, – because that the property is so small. You don't even have room for anything. So uh, it's definitely the only outdoor coaster there. Interesting. Yep. Good fun fact, Cheryl. You're welcome. So um, we've already covered Dragon's Challenge, and I think, I mean, we'll move on to that one. Even though it is the newest one, I think we'll save the Hogwarts for last. But uh, so Dragon's Challenge closed in 2017. That was the Dueling Dragons attraction um, to make way for what is there currently, which is, I'm always going to It's a long title. (laughs) Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which just opened this year. Yeah, it opened this past summer. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of ties into the Flight of the Hippogriff. So the theming there was, you know, Hagrid had a hippogriff, and this you kind of go past his hut, and then you ride the hippogriff. And um, I think that Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure kind of takes that concept and just goes crazy with it. Yeah. The car that you used to be able to see throughout the Dragon's Challenge queue is not there anymore. Oh. Where is so, it? Well, just you get wait wait and see. So um, <laughs> the the queue for Hagger's Motorbike is very cool. Uh, I didn't mean to wait the entire time in it because uh, it says entrance and single rider. And so I was like, oh, this is pretty cool that it's the same line. And at some point they'll pull away from it because I've always thought that was weird about single rider lines is you know you started at the beginning but some people might opt to do that and wait longer versus waiting in the standby line because you never really know but you get into the same line and at some point you're supposed to split off if you're a single rider I never found that spot but then I asked later and she said that there is a split at the mermaid statue that I apparently missed oh. <laughs> so fun fact that's a good thing to know yeah want- to yeah. be a single rider, look for that mermaid statue. But um, the pre-show is Hagrid takes muggles on a very special care of magical creatures class um, and has inquired the help of Arthur Weasley to tinker with Hagrid's motorbike, whose original owner is uh, mentioned to be Sirius Black. So, and it, it does go through that. So you kind of go around the property, you see Hagrid's house, and you see a bunch of pumpkins that look like they were eaten by Probably a hippogriff, Mm. although they don't come back to hippogriffs on this ride. But then it kind of takes you through. um, They do the same in in all of the rides. They have a moment where you in the queue get explained what is happening. And it will usually have characters or actors from the movies. And they continued this tradition with Hagrid's magical motorbike. So you go into a room and you see Arthur Weasley and Hagrid and they talk about their motorbike. Can I just say that Arthur Weasley is one of my favorite Harry Potter characters? <laughs> and no, it's not because of a crush. I just love him. I think he's just funny and wonderful and also helpful. He's very helpful in like the plot. Just wanted to throw that out there, Arthur. A big fan, number one fan. I'm your number one well, fan. Arthur is helpful because that's exactly what he's tasked to do is duplicate this magical motorbike so that Hagrid can take people into the Forbidden Forest to see all of the crazy animals. So helpful. Always helpful. Always helping. Um, But if you do 
accidentally wait in the entire line, it is pretty worth it. There's a lot of little <laughs> hidden gems that you'll see. And um, I'll put some pictures up on the Instagram, but they have a lot of like cave drawings. They're not cave drawings, but there's that you would never notice if you weren't looking for something. But they have like unicorns and the pixies and just really cute chalk drawings all throughout the thing because it's kind of like a ruined castle that you're going through. They just retrofit the dueling dragons castle I guess and kind of made it look like it was a under area of the the Hogwarts where Hagrid kind of keeps and grows his animals yeah so then you get on to the magical motorbike and it's like a string of probably 10 or 15 or 12 I'm not sure I didn't count (laughs) but they they ask you do you want to drive the motorbike or sit sidecar and oh. I cannot recommend the sidecar enough. Oh, I think. interesting. But it does, it puts you on a different level. So it, I, I was yeah, a, you're a little rider lower. Yeah, you were lower, and I, it, you don't have that awkward, I'm sitting next to somebody I don't know kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That's nice. Yeah. And it kind of takes you out there. So when I, like, it doesn't look like it's much of a roller coaster, but you guys. It is horrifying. <laughs> this is not a junior. You would not categorize this as a junior coaster. This is not a junior coaster. This is not okay. for the faint of heart. And I am not your coaster gal. I will not be the coaster no. correspondent ever I again for no, this No, I, pre- I appreciate your sacrifice. But, yeah. Oh, man. There are moments where the bike revs up and it speeds you forward. And then um, you, you're going through and you're seeing all kinds of animals. So it takes you to... Um, you run into Fluffy, the three-headed dog from the first oh. scene. Oh, He's just cool. napping. It's oh. pretty cool. There's Devil's Snare that you get caught in. And then, uh, well, that gets pretty crazy, so we'll come back to that. There, There is something that you actually see Hagrid, too. There is a full-blown Hagrid animatronic, which is very, very cool, very lifelike. Cool. And then um, it kind of takes you into, like, this dark part where you see one of the senators, um who kind of is like, you shouldn't be here. And then you get trapped in the devil snare and you're like, great. And then Hagrid's like, you know, use your wand. And is you the go, devil snare, is that kind of like the like quick sandy thing from the first movie? Yes. Yeah, it'll trap cool. you and then start like eating you. You like sink you, into kind it. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you sink into it because <laughs> it, like you're on a track and then all of a sudden there's a lift and you just drop down to like a below track and then keep going. I cannot wrap my head around that. That's amazing. Guys, I'm still in tears thinking about it. It was too much for my brain. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, wow. Wow. Again, thank you for being our roller coaster correspondent for this attraction. But, I mean, for someone who's done attractions so much, I was like, yeah, cool, roller coaster, I'll do it. It was a wild ride and unexpected. It does do um, the end of track kind of a thing where it pulls you all the way up and you look like you're going to keep going into the sky because it's dead, but it just sends you right back, backwards, which is great if you have motion sickness. (coughs) Mm. Mm. But then at the end, there is a, a unicorn, and she's a mum. Oh. Wow. It, yeah. well, could you compare it as far as, like, thrill factor goes to a Disney coaster? It is very much like Everest without the height. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. Because so it, it launches kind of, everywhere, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes, the revving up 
is very crazy and it doesn't do it up on a lift it does it vertically which is or horizontally which is crazy that is crazy it's honestly kind of like the slinky dog dash where it's like a smaller but suspended coaster but Uh um it has the forward and back and into caverns just like everest so i would say it's kind of a hybrid between the okay that's good i mean again youtuber over here um i've only ever seen videos of it and i visually it reminded me of um yeah of the of the toy story coaster but it Mm -hmm. sounds a lot more intense it's like if they were like hey let's take the toy story coaster and make it everest got it so if andy and the yeti had a coaster baby had a coaster baby it is hagrid's magical motor creature motorbike adventure and how so the the ride the ride vehicle itself um because you said there's an option to sit in the sidecar or sit on the bike is it two different types of seats yes so you are you'll physically sit on the bike but you still have an over the strap harness so it's kind of crazy um or maybe they don't i didn't actually look at what they were sitting in but for the sidecar you do and in the bike you're you're a good couple feet up higher than the sidecar that's interesting i mean i think i would want the bike portion personally that's yeah that's what i asked for but then there was a single party of a mom and a kid and they were split up so i was like oh you go with your mom kid i'll go oh, oh girl sidecar with this guy <laughs> um and it was great and they have some pretty great um photos it's individual for the line that you're in so it, the sidecar and and uh motorbike Oh, that's clever. So it it just looks like you're on a sidecar, not on Mm -hmm. a roller coaster. Yes. Oh, and Arthur Weasley's car makes a debut in the ride. Oh, okay. That's where you see that. In the movies, it kind of becomes a creature, which is funny. Yeah. I think there might be a Whomping Willow. I'll tell you, I'd have to ride it again, which I don't know I ever will. It is a lot to take in, but it's so yeah. much fun. It's about three and a half minutes long for a ride, and that that is so long. Yeah, it was pretty good. Can I also give, I've been taking points away from Universal, but I want to give about 150 points back, because this is Universal's first ride in many years that is not screen-based, and they... Right killed it delivered outdoor coaster with live sets with a story immersive immersive environment like i think it's like they were reading guest surveys for the past five years and we're like yeah we're gonna make a change and i think i think it was worth it i mean this ride opened to record-breaking um wait queue lines yeah wait times um galaxy's edge in disneyland opened there was a lot of like hype around their wait times that did not happen Mm -hmm. and then a couple weeks later this attraction opened and had like what six seven hour waits the first i think it was nine hours the first day for sure i mean that's amazing and and i think well deserved honestly i I think they did a great job okay so i i I was looking it up because i was i'm still fascinated by this loading process for this crazy ride vehicle so i found there's actually a video on youtube that shows that there's a i guess there's like a video in the queue that they show you of how to load it oh, yes, on, I have into it. the bikes so basically both seats are similar where you like sit down and then you pull down the lap out i just hit my hand 
my god, on what? On my desk, because I was actually doing the motions. <laughs> like you could Ooh, see I me pulling it. the bar down. But it's basically like one of those lap restraints that you pull down. Uh, so it's it's this almost the same type of thing for both the bike and the sidecar. So whatever you had in the sidecar, the bike has a similar type thing where it's just a pull-down restraint over your yeah. lap. Yeah. I think I blacked out. It didn't go over your shoulders. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I just sent it to you too, Molly. Yeah. You just, like, and you have to it did. <laughs> right. I it put me through a lot. I will tell you for so about this ride is it, it's something that I do not physically enjoy, but mentally love. It's the same as like Mission Space. Like I love <laughs> everything about that ride, but I will never ride it again. Yeah. And I will fully recommend it to everybody. But Hagrid's magical. I would try it again. It's so fun. And it's beautiful. So as you're walking through the queue, you can see the entire um, attraction. And it kind of looks like if you've ever been to Rome, you know, a lot of the streetways, there's just ruins to the right and to the left, but they're beautiful and they're covered in like grass and moss and, you know, they're just structures and it looks exactly like that. That's Hmm. so cool. So that's Hagrid's Magical Creatures motorbike adventure. So then... We have the other big ride, which, oh, I just, I love this ride so much. Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Boop. (laughs) (laughs) It's so old now. That's so yesterday. It's so yesterday. (laughs) That was a ride that, like, blew me away when I first wrote it. Amazing. 100%. I mean, it was a game changer, I think. Yes. Well, because it, I mean, we learned a lot about it in school, but it, it's on a track, but it's also like a moving arm that like moves your car vehicle, not only sideways, but up and down and around. Like it is designed to make you make you throw up, I think. So yeah, let's actually maybe try to describe that as best we can. So like the, the model, the thing we're actually talking about is called a kuka arm. The kuka arm, yeah. The kuka arm, which... Doesn't sound like we're saying a real word. Kuka arm. Um, well, and it's and it's used in other places. So if you ever, right. um, if you've been on the uh, the Nemo ride at Epcot, um, when you get to the part with the anglerfish, that's like swimming around the the fish with the little light on its head that chases. Right. That's on a Kuka arm, um, moving it around, and then yes. in Innoventions. Um, Thrill, what was it called? Some of all thrills. Some no, of all that's thrills. A, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was. I was like, yeah. that's a Ben Affleck movie. No, nope, that, sure. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> the some both? of all thrills. <laughs> right. Ben Affleck was a cuckoo arm. Um, yeah. <laughs> he is a human. <laughs> <laughs> but the some of all thrills was an attraction in Inventions that it was also a cuckoo arm um, attraction. So if you've seen any of those things, you've seen a cuckoo arm. Um, I don't know what you would call that ride. And it it kind of looks like what you would picture like a robot in a factory to be doing, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. um moving, moving and picking something up and flipping it over and putting it somewhere else and kind of just I'm doing the hand motion. This is a podcast. No yeah, don't hit do your desk. Don't hit your desk. <laughs> oh god! Oh, I my mic. Um, and so it's been used previously in other yeah other situations, but what Universal did was put basically put all these kuka arms in a row on an omni mover track essentially so you're moving not only from scene to scene like you would in a normal omni mover but you're 
there's a thrill element added to it because your the arm itself is plopping you into a scene and then like kind of flipping you on your back to push you into the next scene um and you never you never really see it i mean i guess you could like i've looked over like i'm sure we all have (laughs) yeah but also like (laughs) see how it works yeah i didn't want to ruin the magic either because there's still elements that well as of like today in 2019 i finally figured out how they do it but man there was like years that i just didn't even want to know how they did it because it was so cool yeah agreed it is truly impressive. I think, um, you know what? Before we get into the ride system, I think this queue is also worth mentioning. It's it's a, like an attraction yes. upon yeah. itself, honestly. Um, so we should probably back up because we have probably have a lot to talk about the ride itself. Um, but the the queue or the line for this ride takes you through Hogwarts Castle, so the school that Harry Potter goes to, and it is recreated down to um, some pretty incredible details. And it it's amazing. There are, you know, there's a part of you that wants the line to be like two hours long so you can really soak in all the details. Yeah. It starts in the um, dungeons, technically. And that's where the lockers are, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Which, uh, I've got to take some points from Universal yeah. for the lockers. <laughs> that whole, that is a mess right there. It like, is a mess. It's it's like a weird intersection of like dropping off stuff at the lockers. There's also the single rider entrance, which you have to try and find, and then the normal queue. But there's like well, one person there that's trying to direct traffic, and it's dark, oh gosh, yeah, and it's loud, and you have no idea what's right. going on. Oh yeah, I don't want to be Cheryl's grandma, but it is too dark. <laughs> like it is too dark Those, and too confined. Yes. Well, the lockers themselves, I mean, they're pretty straightforward once you understand. But if it's your first time using a locker system like that, where it's like your fingerprint and you, they tell you it. You first you get your locker number at a machine at that screen, and then you go find your locker, and you can only open it once. And it's this whole process. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that process. It's hard to see in the locker area. Oh, yes. Um, And you don't want to, you should probably just send one person from your party in to do that. But then you get kind of separated from them. And it's it's not great. And they've made some changes, I think, over the past few years. But um, I can't speak directly to if that has improved the experience. it, It has a bit. So the one thing I will say about the lockers is I do like it because it makes getting into the ride vehicles easier. And most of the universal rides are like on that conveyor belt where it doesn't stop. So they don't have time for you to fuss with anything. But, um, Two things about it, though. I remember when they rolled out this whole locker system, it was funny because they wanted to make it themed to Harry Potter. So it was a finger scanner, and you would, you know, put your finger there, and it would say, instead of saying approved or accepted, it said enrolled. But I think, mm-hmm. but I remember thinking that was funny because they had to keep that, cons- they kept it consistent. So even if I was at the mummy, it would say enrolled instead of accepted. But that was a term that they only did because it was in Hogwarts school. Oh, I like hmm. that. So that I thought was funny. However, that whole that whole system is pretty much phased out except for at Hogwarts. So now when you go to other attractions, you actually use your park ticket and you hmm. just scan the barcode and literally a locker pops open. Mm, that's and nice. oh, that's nice. how they do it now. So it takes that whole having to look up your number, put it in, get your finger right. scanned. You just scan your card and it'll pop open. So they've definitely improved on that. Nice. Ooh, points back, Universal. Points back. But, but that intersection is still bad. Oh, yes. By and far. And possibly still too dark. 
It is too dark. But they have rerouted it. So you used to go through the castle and you would steer off to the lockers and then rejoin your party in that hallway Mm -hmm. and then continue through the castle. Now they actually, you go in just to do the lockers and then you come back out to the main entrance over the bridge and they'll take you directly to the left to the outside portion of the queue first. So you start in the greenhouse now. I like that. Hmm. So your party could wait outside a little bit easier. Yeah, wait outside for for me. They're improving on things. So, yeah, the greenhouse is probably the least exciting of the queue, but it's still really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And they do their best to have fans and misters all kind of sticking with the environment as well. Um, Have you guys, have either of you waited, waited, waited in the outside queue or just walked through? I've 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 waited. waited a bit. Yeah, I've waited it's in the greenhouse area, which was nice because it is, like you said, it's covered, it's fanned. So, but it is, it, it's, you know, it's an outside it's, queue. It, it's big. I mean, it, yeah. it covers quite a bit of ground. Mm-hmm. You definitely uh, run out of things to look at in that section. Yeah. yeah. What's the first indoor scene, Cheryl? So then you, as you're going through, the first thing you kind of see is, um, I believe it's the paintings. It's the you go into a hallway that kind of looks like the room where all of the stairs kind of change places and they have the talking portraits like Wait, they have I think, in the movie. I think right before that though, don't you go through cuz I remember seeing the 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 points like the house. Oh yeah, 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 and they have the um the phoenix like stairwell that yeah. you could go through. Yeah. They have statues of um all of the house owners what are they called mm. like rowena raven ravenclaw the, and... like founders I think. yeah 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 salazar slytherin and they do they have the points um to see who's winning it's like isn't it like sand or something like it's like it oh, if like as you got points that would go up and then go down or something like that i can't remember yeah it's yeah. like beads or something right um gryffindor is definitely winning ravenclaw of you course. gotta pick that up man do you guys know your harry potter houses Oh, I'm a hundred percent muggle. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're. N- <laughs> I mean, like you keep trying to figure it out, and it comes back muggle. Yeah, they're just it's error. Um, I've never heard anyone in my life when you ask them what house they're in, <laughs> for them to say muggle. It's just so true, though. <laughs> just, do you have a house that you wish you were in? I mean, I think I'm a Hufflepuff. I'd be a Hufflepuff if anything. I but think I think you might be a Slytherin. Oh, I feel, I feel like I'm I'm Filch's like um, assistant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're Mrs. Norris, the cat. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes, actually, that is very true. What are oh. yours? Oh my god. Uh, I found out that I am a Gryffindor and. Uh, you know, I know that you yeah. can take those quizzes online and you can, you know, do the thing. But I went to the WB Studios tour here in Burbank, California, and they have the hat from, mm-hmm. you know, the Hogwarts. Of hat fame. Yeah. Of hat fame. And you sit under it and it tells you in its wonderful voice what you are. And I'm a Gryffindor. Does it tell everyone that. that they're a Gryffindor? Nope. 
no, it is all it. I, no, it's not random. It is based upon you and your the, the Body destiny, temperature. right? <laughs> I mean, you are a Gryffindor. Everything I know I about agree. you screams <laughs> Gryffindor. It's so noble, so brave. Oh, thank so you. Loyal. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. If you grow Genuine. a beard, you kind of look like a lion. It's perfect. <laughs> Molly, what about you? Um, I have taken like anytime there's an opportunity to take an online quiz to see what Harry Potter has them in, in, I take it every time. Um, and every time I come back a Hufflepuff. Wow. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) But also I kind of think that Harry Potter houses are like a less intense version of like the Enneagram. Or like the Myers Briggs personality. Oh test. yes, a hundred percent. Right, yes. which I'm also very much into. Which is like so Hufflepuff to be into that. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on this, and we should do a side Patreon. We'll have a whole on it. yeah. <laughs> but as you walk through, so you go through, um, you see that, and then it takes you into kind of a corridor of portraits, and you have your four talking portraits, which is Rowena Ravenclaw, Godric Gryffindor, Salazar Slytherin, and Helga Hufflepuff. Nice and they're again. kind of chatting with each other about the Quidditch game and who's going to win. They're kind of smack talking. Um, really, it's kind of cool. But then you go into Dumbledore's kind of chambers, I guess. And so it has the, um, I the don't pensive. know what it's called. The, what is that? The sink where he puts his uh-huh. brain things? Yeah. Yeah, Very yeah. cool. The brain. His, brain. <laughs> his memory. Uh, it's called a pensive. Let's just. His, there. Thank you so much for knowing all these things. The brain things. <laughs> so as you pass his brain things, um, Dumbledore is actually oh in there God. and he's welcoming you to his um, chambers. And he's kind of telling you about um, the professor there's a professor doing a lecture and he's kind of telling you about what's going on i guess it's an open house for me your neighborhood muggle (laughs) (laughs) yeah then um as you continue going you go into the defense of the dark arts room which is my favorite part of the queue because i think they did this so well it looks just like the classroom that you see so often in the movies um and then they have a a kind of a loop of a story so um your three favorites harry Hermione and Ron um, pop out from underneath their invisibility cloak and kind of talk about heading to the Quidditch match and um, wanting to help us get there as well, even though we're not magical. And so uh, there's a funny moment where um, Hermione says she's going to help us by flying or going invisible too but then ron's like oh i'll make that spell and then he either makes lightning happen in the room or (laughs) it starts snowing in the room depending on which it it alternates depending on when you're walking through the queue and it snows it's like it is snow yeah and just jump back a couple rooms i will say um the very first time i saw the portraits all talking to each other absolutely blew my mind Mm -hmm. i think that was one of the um and it was 10 years ago now but like the first use of some super super high definition screens that we're we're pretty used to now i'd say but at the time um it was unbelievable because they didn't look like you know uh it's a little bit hard to describe but they looked like paintings that were talking to you (laughs) they look better than they did in the movies i would say um and just 
it, it absolutely blew my mind. And um, also the, oh gosh, I might be wrong on this. I want to say maybe Disaster and Universal did this first. Um, but one of the first times, potentially, maybe the second time, Universal used the kind of like projection technology. Um, so when you see Dumbledore, you see the trio talking in the classroom, um, they look like they're there as opposed to you looking like you're, it's not like they're on a monitor. They're being projected right, into right. the room. Yeah. Um, and it looks amazing. It's it like a hologram so effect. It's a hologram, you know, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. It's very cool. You continue your time through the castle. So then you kind of go into the Gryffindor corridors. You go through the doorway with the painted lady. So she's kind of welcoming you in. The like, um, the fat lady? Is that what yeah. you see? Yeah. Yes. You love yeah. her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's talked about her before. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you get, right before you get onto the um, ride, actually, the sorting hat is there greeting you as well. He's kind of just saying, what are you doing here? Enjoy the ride. Keep up with the person in front of you. He's very instructional. Mm-hmm. I love that, actually. It's, it's like um, both something to look at and also helpful because you're approaching the time where you need to start paying attention when you're in the line. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still don't quite understand the ride vehicle as far as theming. You're kind of in a bench. Yep. A magical bench, which, yeah. Who knows? Um, but as soon as you get in the ride, Hermione says, oh, I, I found a way to make you fly. And she throws a powder at you. And then you're off to the races. And that's when it kind of takes you on this, you know, kooka arm. You immediately start moving. And so then the arm pushes you and you're kind of floating in your magical bench. But it does take you into screens. So it has a great mix between an actual dark ride and being around it, but also going into screens. So... I agreed. And I, um, as far as like, uh, uh, element of surprise goes, when you get on this ride, you, you do, you go sit down on a bench with seats and you get like shoulder restraints, I believe. And Ashby would probably put, sit on his shoes. I do. I sit, oh. I sit on no. my flip flops. <laughs> no articles. But that's a little confusing. Cause you're like, Oh, I mean, what's going to happen? Like you don't see the, you know, when you get on a roller coaster, you see the ride vehicle. When you get on like a clamshell Omnimover ride, you, you're getting into a shell. Like you see what's about to happen. On this, it is not clear. Unless you've watched YouTube videos, even then, it's not clear what's about to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So when you see Hermione, the floor drops out from below you and, and then kind of breaks off from your neighbors potentially and you go off on your own journey. And like ride system wise, this is not what you're experiencing, but it's as if it's as if you're on an individual haunted mansion doom buggy that's being plopped into like a dozen Soren screens. <laughs> right? That's exactly <laughs> it. Like that's what's going on. <laughs> like that's a doom funny. buggy on the end of like a robotic arm that's just like w- going through a giant show building, plopping you in and out of Soren screens a hundred a hundred percent and in the in between there's some very scary um yes animals oh my god yes that's the scariest part you get so, so the, close to those so and it it's excessive like they spend too much of the ride on a lot of those yes but 
um, in the so Hermione kind of shoes you off and then you get plopped into your first screen and in there Hagrid tells you the unfortunate fact that um, his dragon is loose so (laughs) you're following Harry as he has deviated from the Quidditch course um, trying not to get eaten alive by a dragon so in the first screen that's where you kind of see Harry flying on his Quidditch broom um, and then the dragon who's trying to eat you and then after a, a minute or two it kind of takes you out of that screen or seconds probably and then you are face to face with an actual animatronic uh, dragon yes who blows some very humid steam right in your face gross i mean i guess it could have been fire so thank you sir (laughs) this is better this is better I'll take it. Um, but then it kind of kicks you into the Forbidden Forest. And so that's when, if you have arachnophobia, strong oh, disclaimer. Yeah. Close your eyes. Close your eyes or do not ride because right. it is yeah. going to get you. Intense. Yeah. And so then um, you find that you're back on the Quidditch course. The dragon is nowhere to be You left him in the past. You're trying to catch the snitch. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, wow, great. Dementors have now rained on oh, your parade. So, this is the oh, they're part. so scary. <laughs> so, then as soon as the Dementors come, it kind of kicks you out of the screen, and that's when you start seeing a whole bunch of Dementors just coming at you one by and one. They're coming at you, and then your Kuka arm is going at them. It's, it, it's, you're on, you're yeah. like on your back, you're faced forward, like tilted. It's disorienting. There's a point where not only are you on your back, but I think feel as though that's when you would lose your flip-flop because it's kind of shifted yes. you up. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah, your feet are definitely above your head right, at a certain right. point. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they Crazy. do do a very cool um, special effect in this moment. So in the movies, the Dementors, what, they steal your, they suck your soul out of your body? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can see it where it's like they're just – Taking all that solely mist right into yep. their mouths. Solely um, mist. <laughs> they oh, do. <laughs> they have a very cool special effect where they take your f- picture of your face and on some mist they project that <gasps> your face so that it I looks like they are s- sucking <laughs> your soul. Don't know if I've ever noticed that. Oh yeah, oh, it's wow. pretty cool. Solely miss. Solely miss. Solely missed and brain. It. What is it? What was the other thing? Brain stuff. The brain, brain. <laughs> His memories. The brain I love stuff, Cheryl yeah. descriptions of attraction. Yes, so much. this is great. Uh, I this apologize. Is so great. I'm not. I live for them. Um, but then you know Harry uh, picks you back up, and he's still following you into the forest. And there's whomping willows, and then he he steers you back to the the castle. And at some point, I'm not quite sure what happened. I think that they won the game. Yeah, meanwhile, there's a Quidditch. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Hogwarts ha- is so dangerous. <laughs> so Harry brings you back, and then everyone's cheering in the Great Hall. Um, Harry looks like he's celebrating with his, his Quidditch team. It's all great. And then, you know, Dumbledore and the rest of your classmates kind of wave at you from the crazy stairs. And then that's when you kind of get back to life. It's fantastic. And then I have to quickly put my flip-flops back on as I get on the moving <laughs> platform and... Exit. Yeah. Exit, go down the stairs, grab your stuff out of the crazy lockers, and enjoy the rest of your day. 
and end is up there? in a very cramped merchandise shop I again. I was going to say, yes. is there a gift shop at the end of that mm-hmm. ride? Yeah. There I is, and a photo opportunity for oh. you and your bench. Yep. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. Yeah. It's so good. I um, I have gotten a little bit, like, dizzy after a couple um, times riding the ride, and I think it's because I sometimes find the screen portion of the ride to be a little, like, fuzzy and disorienting. Um, but not all the time. <laughs> it's kind of... I feel the same way about Flight of Passage as well. Sometimes the screen is a little bit more blurry for me than usual. Um, oh, sounds I like agree. it's a personal thing. Oh, okay. No. No, no. <laughs> I, uh, I have to close my eyes when I get in the screens. Um, you're getting older is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> it's too dark and those screens right. so loud. Right. Um but but I overall I think I love, love, love this attraction and it's like worth getting dizzy, I think, at this point still for me. So does anyone own any um merchandise from Hogsmeade Village? Besides wands, I guess. Uh the wand, yeah, of course. Has anyone ever yeah. bought like robes or anything like that? No robes. They do. What I think is really fun is they have a lot of things from the movies that don't scream Harry Potter. So they have the the Christmas sweaters that Ron and Harry got from Ron's mom for oh Christmas. God, that's great. And so um, they have a big H or a big R. And so I got one for a friend of mine whose name starts with an R. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I will. You know what? I can't speak to this directly, but I also would say maybe Harry Potter changed the game for um, merchandise in theme parks as well to be, um, uh, again, the, the the environments are so immersive that then the merchandise becomes immersive too, right? They'd sell the sweater that Harry got from a rando Christmas, right? Instead of just saying like, here is the promotional sweatshirt for Harry Potter world. It's like, um, as if you're there or as you're supposed to um, experience it which i think is cool oh yeah it's not like they have a i was there harry potter world 2019 shirt i survived (laughs) (laughs) um it's more yeah you're meant to be a part of you're supposed to meant to buy merchandise and enjoy it while you're there actually which i think is neat agreed i think the only thing i had other than the wand is i bought a pin um it's like a pin of the hogwarts express train and it's cool. kind of cool because it's like three. It's like a, it's like the locomotive. It's the coal car, and then like one passenger car. And they're oh, that's like neat. you can On so you pin. can like separate them or you can put them all together, you know, as a pin type thing. I think I've um, gone in in and out of these merchandise shops so many times, like really wanting to buy something, um, and not ever doing it. That's not true. One time I did a big candy haul at the like candy oh, store. Oh yes. Oh yeah, I got a chocolate of, frog, yeah. A lot. Yeah, I've done a lot of those, but it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the packaging is it's almost too pretty. You don't want to you don't want to eat the candy cuz the packaging is like the best part. They right. Did such right. a good job with that. Like the theming. But yeah. Anything else to add, Cheryl, about Hogsmeade? No, I don't think so. The, I mean, after Hogsmeade, you'd get on that Hogwarts Express to the other side, but we might save that for next time. Yeah. I think we have to. This is already a 
a pretty long recording and we have a lot more to discuss. I'd like to thank our two listeners who are still with us at this point. Thank you, you so much. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, the one note just to add, there is a Hogsmeade, we said this already in in um, the Universal Hollywood. There's also a Hogsmeade Village in the Japan Universal Studios and that looks almost identical except that they also have the added location of the Black Lake and that's just um, because of the way the park is built but, but the Black Lake is the lake that sits right next to Hogwarts so that's like an, a nice atmosphere addition I think um, and then there's currently under construction in Beijing a Universal Studios that uh, the, the Wizarding World is under construction there so that will be the fourth version of the Hogsmeade Village which is amazing and super impressive and the Universal Orlando was the original. Wow. So, so cool. So I think we'll, yeah, let's go ahead and save Diagon Alley and the original expansion to Wizarding World of Harry Potter for next week because it deserves its own episode, I think. There's there's a ton to talk about there. Sounds Absolutely. great. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Let us know which Hogwarts house you're in. Or if you're a muggle, I guess. Yeah. I didn't oh, yeah. realize that that the, was an option. The muggle version, yeah. Some of us got to be muggles so all you magical people can go do great things. That's I just like it. some I mean, of us need to enjoy the Matrix while the rest of you fight for our freedom. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. We all need our thing. All right. Great. So next episode, more Harry Potter. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. That definitely helps. And check out our Instagram for more content. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.